0: Get started. I like to pray real quick and then um, go ahead and introduce myself a little further, give you guys a little background story, and then we'll get into the word. And um, on the, the real reason why I'm up here speaking, all right? So, I close your eyes by it. Dad, I come to you right now as um, just completely floored and humbled that you even consider us as parts of what you're doing in this world, that you would even bring us here together to gather and worship you, Lord. That worshiping you is not um, an obligation. It is an invitation and it's an opportunity to just be in the presence of the god who created all that is around us and that is something that we could never do without you first inviting us and first bringing us into your own presence lord i thank you for being present and here right now i pray that you will open up our hearts and our ears um that you open up our minds lord to your word that um, jesus said it clearly that we don't come to jesus unless you call us unless you open up unless you draw us near to him and um, we don't get to you unless it's through Jesus, Lord. Um, the common denominator there is you. There's nothing that we can possibly do to have a bridge this gap, but you did everything for us to have this opportunity. So I pray that you create willing hearts. And willing ears, Lord, that um, we'll be open to being challenged, open to your grace, open to your mercy, open to your love, and open to the mission that you've entrusted us with. God, you're good, and we thank you for that. And we thank you for loving us, Lord, because um, <laughs> we're not good at loving ourselves, yet alone loving you. So thank you for who you are and thank you for what you do. Amen. Amen. All right. So, again, my name is Tafazwa Ruma, A little background story on that. I was born in Zimbabwe. So it's wild that I'm living in Tennessee right now um, you, there's no way, like I grew up in, I was born in Zimbabwe, moved to America when I was like seven years old, grew up in, then from there I was in Dallas, and I was like a little ghetto kid in Dallas, like barely spoke, it, spoke English, as you can tell, I'm still struggling with the language a little bit, my friends don't allow me to use my excuse anymore that I'm not from here, they say I've been here long enough to speak the language well, so um, I'm going to ask a little grace if you guys hear me mispronounce a couple words just kind of like chuck up under your breath and be like just it's, it's fine it's not from here it's, it's cool um so and that's it i went to college studied psychology did some religion did some ministry stuff in college and i went and got my master's now i work in dallas downtown um if you want to fit if you want to know more about me or anything like that feel free to talk to me later but what i'd like to do is really kind of like start digging into the real reason i'm up here so i understand um donnie has been talking to you guys has kind of been hammering hammering you guys with this idea of discipleship, right? And this is something that's very dear to Donnie and I's hearts. Um, not only because um, we like talking to people and we feel it's important that we use our gift for conversations with people and you kind of mask it with, oh yeah, it was just, I'm calling it discipleship, but really I just want people to hang out with me and talk about Jesus all the time, right? No, it's just kind of this idea that Jesus himself brought forth. Um, in the Old Testament, You see, the discipleship of the Old Testament looked a lot like a prophet and like his mentee, you know? You see, that was like the primary example of that. And then in comes Jesus, and he was like, no, 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 no. That was then, what I need you guys to do now is I need this to spread from just this specific relationship to all relationships that are entitled to be praising the Lord. I want you guys to do this everywhere, all the time, and this is what you'll be known for. And he went on to even call him his own people his own followers his disciples right um so that's what we're doing we'll talk about Jesus' life he was when he entered his ministry like the first after he you know suffers from the from the desert battle scarred and wounded like just blood sweat tears just like you know just like i'm ready to go you know it's like he went through like training before the big game right and he just comes out of the desert devil's tempted him he surpassed that he's like okay let's go time to get it going First thing, what I need to do? He doesn't go. First thing, first things first. I need to. Where's, where's, um, where's the kingdom, man? Where are all the Pharisees? I'm about to go, go to war. He's like, no, 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 no. Um, let's go walk around a little bit. He's walking around. He sees people. You know, he sees some fishermen. He's like, there it is. Hey yo, come follow me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men. And they're like, what, dude? Like, I can barely catch fish. You want me to go catch men? First of all, it's kind of weird. I don't know what you're talking about. But then these guys, like, they have no reason to follow him. But again, the Lord is at work. Jesus' mission wasn't his own. God was already at work and God had set the table for him. Jesus was coming up, cleaning up the table, picking up the scraps, picking up scrubs and doing what his Lord, what his Father had told him to do. So he's like, come on. And they have no reason to say yes. So we, today, if somebody walked in here and like, hey, you guys are sitting in church. I'm doing something. I told you what you guys to follow me. And then you guys are like, we're going to look at him like, you know, imagine, that. imagine you you're know, a mechanic and someone walks into your shop, they fix the car you're working on. Because that's what he did. He walked into their shop, caught fish for them. Then he said, I do what you do better. Now you need to quit and come do what I'm doing and I have something better for you. And then he's like, well, you know, whatever. You, you're a better fisherman than me, so I might as well just follow you, right? So that's what Jesus is doing. He's inviting us into that, right? So he makes his disciples. He, that's the first thing he did. That's one of the first things he did before he went and did anything else. He went and gathered a group to come alongside him. Because, you know, back in Genesis, Jesus, when he created Adam and he saw Adam, what did he say? He said, it is not good for what? For man to be alone. That wasn't just a thing about marriage. That's us in general. That's ministry. None of what we're doing is meant to be done by yourself. But we so much, we're so prideful, because again, it's not pride, we want glory. If you have a team, you have to spread the, like, the praise with everyone else. That's mm-hmm. why I like NFL players, anything, they go up there, they know good and well, you can't just go and say, yeah, I'm the best person in this world. <laughs> I did all of this by myself. <sighs> yes, I am awesome. You guys are welcome. Thank you for watching me play. All oh, those other guys on the team with me, no, they're just um, there because I can't be all 11 positions at the same time. So they just need to be on the field with me. <laughs> But really, you guys are just watching me. No one does that. People might think it, but you don't do that because that's not what we expect, right? So Jesus goes far and beyond that. He's like, "Man, it's not good for man to be alone." My Father said that in the beginning, and I'm going to show you guys that as I enter my ministry, I am the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. I am God incarnate, but I'm not going to do this by myself. And you see, throughout His whole entire mission, His entire testimony, His entire life, when He was transfigured, like every big moment. What did he do? He gathered the people closest to him, knowing that they're going to fall asleep on him, knowing they're going to let him down, to show them like, hey, when I leave, I want you to do this with each other. This burden is too big to carry on your own. This gospel is too big for you to try to take it out on your own because this world is too big for you to reach by yourself and you need other people because this is going to be exhausting. If Jesus was going to cry tears of blood doing this, what makes you think, that you can do it without suffering any hardship. And in in that moment, guess who he had by him? His disciples. So that's what we're talking about today, this idea of discipleship. I just want to paint this because I was like, I don't want you guys to think that this is something that me and Donnie do just because we like it. This is something that Jesus did and that God set up for in the very beginning of time when he said it is not good for man to be alone, right? So as you do that, I want you guys to open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 28, right? (laughs) So... Whether that's on your phone, I don't know if you guys do the phone thing or you yeah, have Bibles, you know, just open up Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. And um, what we're going over today is a very commonly known Bible verse. Most of you guys, most of you guys have heard this verse multiple times before. It's great. It's the Great Commission, right? How many of you guys have heard of the Great Commission before? Yeah, it's you. Again, so again, I'm here not to give you guys like any new profound truth about the Great Commission because um, truth is just truth as it is. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to, like, we're going to look over it together as a group. I'm going to read it. I'm going to um, talk a little bit about it, point out a few things that the Lord really to open my eyes to. It's like, oh, these are things that are very, like, kind of, we tend to, like, miss on. And then you just kind of, I want to encourage you guys. Like, the thing here today is I want to encourage and implore you guys and empower you to go forth and do this mission, right? Um, I look at it sometimes, I think of it as, like, a classroom assignment. Right. Jesus has died, he's rose again, he gathers his 11 disciples that sitting with him, and he's like, Okay, guys, I've been teaching you guys for a while now. I'm about to go. But don't worry, before I leave, that doesn't mean class is dismissed. Class is still in session because I'm coming back. It's like back in school when you're sitting in the classroom and the teacher's like, Hey, I've been called down to the office real quick, but I'm going to come back in a second. Hey, um, Don, this is probably never Donnie, but I'm using this example. Hey Donnie, I need you to keep keep watching the class while I'm gone, all right? And make sure everyone does make sure everyone does that work, all right? That's that's essentially what pastors do. That's what, they, but not just that. Like, but not just that. It's like, hey, I'm sending you a helper, so I'm gonna have my student assistant come in, and that's the Holy Spirit, right? right? He's like, he's going to come in, and he's going to help make sure that this gets done. Um, if you have any questions, ask him. He's going to be a helper, make sure this is done the way it's supposed to. I, he's like, oh, I have an assignment for you guys. While I'm in the office, I need to make sure you guys do this. Jesus is like, I need you to make sure you guys go to every nation and make disciples. And so they're like, what? And half of them are still sitting there like, you're back, you're leaving again? Like, what's even happening, you know? So that's the scene where we're at, right? Jesus is with his disciples and he's telling them, I'm about to leave. And I have one one last thing I need you guys to do before I go, right? And half of them are just kind of like awestruck that he's even back. They're like, I saw you die. Like, what? And then the other ones are just like, don't don't leave. No, stay. We need you to stay. You haven't like, you're not done yet. You You need to be crowned king. And you need to like... Fix all of this, and he's like, No, 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 I'm leaving. I'm gonna come back, but I have something for you to do, right? And so, this is the man that changed their lives. Took them from tax collectors, took them from like just random nobodies, fishermen, and he's shown them something that they'll never be able to unsee. Like, this is like the man that, like, he walked on water. Peterson, there's like, I walked on water with this guy, you know, and then like, some of them, like, we've seen him raise people from the dead, we've seen him heal people, we've seen him, like, we've seen him bring together, we've seen him feed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread, we still have leftovers from that stuff in our backpacks. Like, he's, like, here, and he's about to leave. You know, he's like, man, what is he going to tell us? So this is what Jesus says to them, right? Um, Verse 18 says this. um, 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Right? So, you know, hey, God's word is good. And I love the fact that Jesus is so, so, just, I don't know, he's like smart or something, right? Because he says, he says this stuff that's kind of like, man, like, why would you say that? And you go back and look at it, you're like, now I, I bet those guys missed that at that time. There's no way they got that, you know, because it takes us how long to decipher this? After time, you know, it gets people Bible degrees and they still can't figure out all this stuff, right? But he's saying this profound things to his disciples. So we're gonna just break it down. So verse, starting off with like the first part of it, Jesus first thing he tells them, he's like, "Hey, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth." Just I'm gonna stop there just to talk about that real quick. Why is that important? Why is it before he tells them to go and make disciples of all nations, why is it like when he's gathered them, before he gives them the commission, before he gives them the mission, he has to reaffirm this one thing, which we're like, how do they not know that already? Has, has his ministry not been clear that he is the son of God? And why is it important for Jesus to tell them, I have been given all authority on earth? You know why it's important? If we go back to the classroom, right? Why, if your teacher comes and tells you, hey, I'm about to give you guys, your teacher's about to give you this mission, this really difficult assignment. He tells you, your grade is dependent on this. You pass or fail based on how well you do here, right? And then you're like kind of thinking, of, you do not have the authority to fail me because of one thing. I'm going to take, take this up to the man upstairs because you cannot make me do this if I don't really want to. I'm going to go to the superintendent. I'm going to go do this. But then your teacher comes in because how many guys have ever felt like that before I had a teacher that told you to do something you feel they had no authority to tell you to do? You're like, hey, you, know, you have no right to make me do this, and you have no right to punish me if this doesn't work out. But, G- but if the teacher comes and says, I've gone to the superintendent, I've gone to every single authority figure in the system, and I have, they have given me all authority in this classroom, in this school district, in every school district ever, period. I am the ultimate authority here. And now all of a sudden you're like, Phew. Okay, whatever you say to do, I got to do because I need my degree. You know, I need to pass this class. I need to get out. That's essentially what Jesus is doing here. He's telling them like, hey, look, I died. I went to heaven. I've been with my father. All this time, I've been doing my father's will. And my father has said, job well done, my good and faithful servant to me. And from that point on, he said, hey, this world is now yours. They are completely your people. You have now have authority. It's no longer Jesus crying in the garden with gets him and saying, God, your will be done, right? Now, God has told him, now, Jesus, it is your will because this is your world. Tell them what you want them to do. You know what he does? That is it, right? Like, he has all authority. He could tell them to do whatever he wants because God has given him that. He's given him that right. That is his birthright. That is his right. So now we're all under submission to Jesus. To his priesthood. God is said, Jesus, I trust your priesthood and I trust your heart. Why? Because we are one. And then Jesus is looking like, for real? So I can go back down there and tell them whatever I want. Right? So you have, all, you have the Old Testament. You have all that. But you're telling me I can go down there. I have all authority. So I can go down there and tell them, hey, y'all, y'all just, y'all go chill. You know, y'all, I need you guys to go do this. He's like, yes, I trust you. I trust whatever it is that you're going to tell them is exactly what needs to happen. So he goes down. He comes back down goes back hey so guys come here come here come here come here all right i went upstairs god you know god the big man upstairs like the one that was like this is my son and whom please you know that voice that god yeah him we were hanging out um, i went up there and i died came back it was cool hey I, there's plenty of houses for you guys up there so don't worry about it but before that before we get to that there's something i need you guys to do oh by the way before i tell you that i have all authority so, I know you have to lose it to me anyways, but this is just important because now he's put his sample of approval on it. He stepped out of the way. There's no veto for this. This command I'm about to give you, there's no veto for it. There's no, anywhere else you're going to live is going to tell you, oh, do something else. This is me telling you my first, my first thing I'm going to tell you guys to do with all the authority I've been given, right, is this very thing. <laughs> Go. The first thing Jesus did with all the authority given to him was tell his disciples to go. Just let that sink in, right? He could have told them anything, but the most important thing that he felt was necessary for them to know and do was to go, right? He's like, go and make disciples. That is how important discipleship is to Jesus. Right? His first, he's like, it's like the president stepping into office. And the very first bill he passed is saying, now I need you guys to go out there and talk to people and make sure they know what's happening around them. Right? He's like, "This this is the most imperative thing I need to do, is make sure my followers understand this one thing, that they are not called to be idle, you're not called to sit here and just be like, "It's cool, we had Jesus. Let's keep it to ourselves." No, you're not called to sit here and just kind of like twiddle your thumbs. You're not called to sit here and just kind of wait for something else. Like you know, a lot of times as Christians, like it's very easy. How many of you guys have watched a movie Incredibles before? It's a pretty cool movie. If you have kids, I know you've watched that movie. Don't lie. If you have if you don't have kids, I'm sorry. Go watch the movie. It's great. It will change your life. Probably not, you might, but it's a really good laugh, right? So in this movie, there's this scene, I love this scene so much, it's this little kid who was a neighbor for these superheroes, right, and he's like, and then he's watching stuff explode, and like, so earlier in the movie, he sees Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible is like their version of Superman, if I can make it more, make more sense. He comes in and he picks up like a car with one hand because he's angry, but they're not allowed to show the superpowers anymore, and this little kid catches that, and he's like, whoa! that was totally wicked, right, and so this kid is just completely astounded and astonished because he's seen something he's never seen before, that's who the disciples are, these disciples have seen Jesus do what, miracles, and they were still dumbfounded, and in this moment, they're even more dumbfounded because he's alive again, they're like, I've seen you die, and now you're alive again, and they're just sitting there like, this is, that is, wow,
1: Hmm.
0: the scar is still there, you guys see the scar, right, yeah, that's wow that's amazing he's back it's crazy and then jesus tells him he's like okay i understand this is a big moment for you guys and they're like yeah and they're still looking at him crazy and then jesus says like go and then they're like why he's like you know in the disciples minds are probably thinking like he's like yo what are you guys sitting around for because he that's what they were doing he left and throughout all the time he was gone before he came back and gathered them again they did nothing some went back to fishing some Someone just sitting around, like drinking drinking like wine and you're sitting like, I don't know what's happening. Man. Like, he's gone. I guess the mission is over. It's done. Like, I don't know what to do now. And then he comes back and he sees them just doing nothing. He's like, I spent all this time with you. And your inkling, like what you do when I'm gone, when you do without me just sit around and do nothing. Some of them are like, what do you mean I'm doing nothing? I'm trying to fish again. And they go back to fishing and they still suck at it. He <laughs> you knows that they still suck at it. You know, like they go back to fishing and they're still terrible at it. And he still comes back and he's still a better fisherman than them. And he's again showing them no matter what you do, you will never fully fulfill your life until you live it according to my calling for it. I've called you to be a fisher of men, and I leave and you go back to fishing for fish and you still suck. Were well, you're not fulfilled when you're walking with me. Was that not fulfilling for you? And that's just something just to remind you guys, just a little something, you know, for everyone in here. Just think about your life and with those moments when you're doing these things because that's the, what the world tells you to do, these jobs, these things, and you find no fulfillment in it, but then you do something for Jesus. You go on a mission trip. Maybe you talk to someone in church and then somehow Jesus comes up and you have this moment where you just feel kind of like this, this excitement you don't normally feel, this, this, like this aliveness and you're like, wow, man, Like, whew, I wish I could do this all the time. Why not? God's calling for you is to be in his presence, and that is not entitled just to this building. That is anywhere you go, and that's why you don't feel satisfied at work, because you don't bring in the kingdom of heaven into your workplace. So you step out of the kingdom of heaven, you're going back into the world and you're going to be drained. But God said, hey, look, the kingdom of heaven is yours. Make your kingdom here. Bring like the prayer, bring your kingdom, make your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That is your duty as Christ's follower is to bring the kingdom of heaven wherever you go because his spirit is living within you. But that's a side note. Let me go back to what we're talking about. Discipleship. Right. So then he tells them, hey, go make disciples. So that's important to him. Right? Because they were doing nothing. So this little kid in this movie, what he's doing is like, he comes back every single day. And he's looking at the house. Every single day. Looking at the house. Watching. Waiting. Every single day. Looking at us. That's what the disciples do. So Mr. Incredible one day is like, dude, what are you doing here? Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you just staring at my house for? And the kid is just like, man, I don't know. I'm waiting for something amazing to happen, I guess. You know, that's That's us. Every time we're not living out this mission, because what we're doing, we're waiting for God to do something when God is like, I've given you the power and authority to do something. You know? So that's where that's what we got. So Jesus is saying like go. And then next part it says, he says, make disciples what does that even mean right so he it's clear i don't really need to make it like any more like special it's kind of written right here i'm just gonna read it from scripture you know we can call it period and call it day and go go eat and just make it and then you know make it party of all of it right but let's go ahead right it says this it's like therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit right teach these new disciples to obey all commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always. So, again, I'm going to take a quick back note, because I skipped over something, and I feel like, and I did it on purpose, right? Catch this. We go from go, we say make disciples, and go right next to like how we do that. But like, this is something we do often. There's a very important phrase in there that we skip all the time, and it's this very phrase, of all nations. I skipped over that on purpose, because that's what we do all the time. We make disciples of people that are like us because they're easy to reach. But of all nations, and if you go to read Acts chapter 1, that's where Jesus is like, yeah, that's where like, the disciples finally kind of figure it out. But this is where the, the mission of all nations, like all oh, this statement, this is when the mission for, to reach out to the Gentiles began. But you know, like, if you read the New Testament, you know how much they still fought over that very thing? Jesus told them, all nations, Everybody. There's no one excluded. I'm talking the Gentiles. I'm talking about the people in Africa. I'm talking about everywhere. Hey, your neighbor is part of all nations. They're not excluded. All nations doesn't mean somewhere across the ocean. It means everyone. He could have very well just put make disciples of anyone you come in contact with. There are their application is in, and it's your job to help process that application for them to be a disciple of Christ. No one is excluded that person you don't like from down the road, the bully from third grade, all nations, right? And so we skip over that all the time because we just like, eh. I mean, I'll go on a mission trip to like Paraguay, you know, maybe I'll go make disciples there. He's like, no, 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 all nations, right? And before that, he told them to go. So it's important to put these two two things together. Go means get off your butt, wherever your butt may be, whether that's inside your house, I'm sorry for the kids. Your bottom, get off your bottom. There's all the kids in here, huh? my bad. Right, she go camp counselor mode. Get off your bottom, right? Wherever your bottom may be rested, whether that's your bed, whether that's an airplane, whether that's your car, wherever your bottom may be, get off your bottom and go. That means literally standing up and walking. So um, Camille, right? Okay, I want you to stand up, cool. And walk and sit over here. Perfect. She's now on mission. That's it. That is all nations for you right there. It doesn't take going anywhere extravagant. It means from wherever you are typically rested to get up from there and go somewhere else. And now you are on mission for Christ. Period. It is not complicated. It is not expensive. It's not all these excuses that we give it. It is simple truth. Go. Right? That is, that's it. So I don't, like, we hear excuses all the time in the church, and it's crazy. Like, oh, man, I can't afford to go on a mission trip. What? Are you kidding me? You can't afford to go to McDonald's. You can't afford to go outside the door. There is kids that play in your front yard all the time. And you tell them you can't afford to go out there and just sit down with them and find out how their day is going. Wow. But wow. Wow. You know, you know how expensive cable TV is. You you know how expensive some of the stuff we do is? Like, yo, you know what, I understand. Don't don't use gas. Half of us need to go on a walk anyways. Just go on a walk outside. And like, you know, just pray. Like, Lord, you know, the first person I, talk, I run into, I wanna find out about their life. You know, because this is this is I'm talking about this why because it's important, because this is going to what we're gonna talk about next. I'm gonna find out about their life. I'm gonna find out how their day is going, and I'm going to listen. I'm going to be present, right? Because when we think discipleship, we skip to, like, the baptism part, right? And I feel we skip to the teaching part, right? Did Jesus teach and baptize his disciples the first day he met them? He spent time with them. He knew their lives. Look at the woman at the well, right? He just made disciples of that whole entire town. And he didn't do anything miraculous. He didn't turn water into wine. He didn't do anything crazy. He sat at the well and asked the woman for water. She gave him water and then he's like, how's your life going? And he listened to her. He was attentive. And he spoke life. Speaking life doesn't mean giving your opinion. Speaking life means knowing what this book says and apply it to someone else's life. Show them where the life is. Your words are not life-giving. This book is life-giving. That is the truth. If you don't read this, you're not going to speak life with anyone. You're going to speak opinion. You're going to be like, well, you know what? When I went through that, boy, I tell you what. <laughs> I just had to sit there and just wait for something to happen. You know, it's like, oh, you know, hey, man, if you go do this, do this, that. You'll be fine. But if you're like, hey, look, um, in, in um, Corinthians Or in Philippians, it's like all things in prayer and petition. Yo, I don't have the answer for you, but can I pray with you really quick? Because that's what Jesus called us to do. Or in Galatians, says, hey, cast your burdens, share your burdens with one another. And then in all things we may light. you know, and it's like, hey, man, like, wow, you're going through something crazy. I can't tell you. Here are worldly things you could do. These are resources you can access if I know those. But before any of that, can I just pray with you? Because I myself don't have the answer to your problem, but I know who does. And I want to introduce you to him. And again, what the great commission is, is not you saving people because that's the problem with us. Is we want to save people. We want to be problem fixers. That is not the great commission. That is not making disciples. That is you playing God. God saves. Period. You know what baptism is? And which is, a, I'm so glad we saw this today. What is baptism? Someone tell me what baptism is. Anybody. This is it's a freebie. Extra credit. That I got a gold star waiting for you in Donnie's house. <laughs> Anybody? What is baptism? Promise to wash away your old ways and start anew. Exactly right. Baptism is what? It's an outward expression of what? Inward change. Inward change. It's an outward expression. Oh yeah, back in the day. What is baptism? My boy just got baptized. Yes. See, look, the man knows what he's talking about, right? And again, to further emphasize, it's an outward expression of what? Inward change. Do you make inward change in anybody? Anywhere in the Great Commission? Did say. Like, you need to save someone's heart. And what does it say that we're responsible for? Baptism and teaching, not saving. Right? That is the Holy Spirit's work. We're not, whenever we try to interject into that aspect of saving someone's life and changing someone, you know what we're doing? We're making very good people. We're trying to turn people into moral people. We want, and nowhere in the scriptures is that a, is that a prerequisite for anything. We want to make sure someone is a good person, that they pay their taxes, they're nice to people, they don't lie, they're not killing, they're not stealing, you know, they're, they're abstaining from all sexual immorality, that they're just a good person, an upstanding citizen of the United States of America, And but yet that does not make them an upstanding citizen of the kingdom of God, because there's nowhere in scripture where any of those things are a prerequisite for grace and mercy, there's nowhere in scripture that's a prerequisite for like, the love of Jesus, nowhere in scripture is that a prerequisite for anything to do with the kingdom. So why do we constantly focus our attention on those very things? Your job is not to save anybody. That's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to go and make disciples. Go baptizing and teaching. But before that, before you even sent them out, he said, wait for the Holy Spirit because it's going to teach you how to do this very thing. It's going to go out because the Holy Spirit has been spread out in the whole entire world. It's at work in people's hearts. And what you're doing is and this is why Jesus said this earlier. Again, Jesus' words were never in vain or void. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but what? The laborers
1: are,
0: the laborers are few. Right. We're called to go work the fields because his spirit is already planted the seeds. His spirit is already reaping a harvest. And he just needs people to go out and just carry the bags and just be like, you need to be baptized? are you're ready? Come on. Hey, you don't, know about, you don't know how to read your Bible? Come on. That's what we're doing. His spirit is saving. His spirit is already fermented in the people. We just need to go out and reap the harvest because the harvest is plentiful. My spirit has gone out before you. People are ready for me. But you know what we do? We mess it up because we go to those people and tell them, what? You're still living with your girlfriend but you say you love Jesus? No. No, no. You don't love Jesus. You don't do that. that's, that's not your job. If you teach, if you baptize them and you teach them about Jesus, you know what? The spirit will convict that. That's the spirit's job. Then the person will come to you, hey man, like, I've been doing this, man, and I just don't know where to go. Then you're like, oh, wow, you're confessing your sin. Now we can pray about it. Now we can go to Scripture and we can talk about truth about it. Not that you're not just hearing some person judging you or telling you this. No, now you're hearing what the Bible says about it. You know, and all of a sudden that person's like, wow, man, that's, wow, you know what, I'm going to change that. Did you make that change? No. So therefore you can't claim it. And therefore that person can't come to you in hopes that you maintain that change. If spirit made change, the spirit maintained change. That's where the church goes wrong. We want to create change and maintain church with, and maintain people's change with all these extra rules. We add so many rules to this Bible, it's ridiculous. <laughs> this is enough. This is enough. Right? And the Great Commission is a reminder of that because Jesus told his disciples, I need to go baptize people because I'm physically not in this world anymore. So I can't walk around dumping people in water. So I need you to be my hands and feet. Go baptize them. But don't baptize them in your name. Because if you were to save them by your works, then when you baptize them, you can't do your work and then put my name on it. So if you're truly going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit needs to be the one that changes them. Because an outward profession for inward belief, do these people believe in me or do they believe in you? That's... The Great Commission, right? And the last part about that, and I'm almost done, I promise. I'm not doing terrible on time. It hasn't been an hour. Yeah, you guys are fine. <laughs> but, right? And then teaching them, right? We talk about baptism, what that is, why that's important. Teaching. Why is that important? You can't teach. Like, what are you teaching them, right? You can- there's, there's a curriculum right here for you. And there's a lot of great books about it. There's a curriculum right here for you. Just, you know, open this up. Read it. Sometimes it's just kind of like, hey man, like, well, like Donnie does a great job with this, and like, he's doing so much, like, he does a great job, he did a great job in college, and he, he's so intentional about asking the question, what is the Lord doing in your life lately? And you just, you just sit down and you just talk about that. And then that's an opportunity when the person, and a lot of times, hey, a key little, little thing, I learned is in psychology, you know how conversations work, if someone asks a question to you, if you replay that question to them, Boom, you're having a conversation. Doesn't take a phone, doesn't take anything crazy. No smart talk needed, right? So, what's God doing in your life, lady? Like, boom, boom, boom. Then you ask somebody else, and then someone's like, hey, what's God doing in your life? Then you're like, oh man, well, I'm in the scripture. Boom, boom, boom. And you just like opened up. That's his mini teaching segment right there. And I'm saying, preach at people everywhere you go, but leave your life, Live your life in such a way that it's open for people to pick stuff out of it. Live a transparent life and people will see what the Lord is doing in your life because you're open about it. If you walk around with open hands about what the Lord is doing in your life, when people come and conversate with you, when people come and talk to you, you don't have to hammer them. People will be comfortable because they know that they can take what they need, not be forced to what you feel like they have to have. But that takes transparency and that takes just an actual relationship with Christ. An active one. You cannot make a disciple of your disciple yourself. That's why Jesus entrusted this mission to this 11 people. He didn't bring in the thousands of people that went to all the things he did. No, he brought in his 11. Why? Because he knows who they are and they know him. Think about that. If Jesus has come back today, is he bringing you in to have a team meeting? Is that a thing for you? Is your relationship with Christ to a point where he, if he was to come back today, he said, say, hey, I just need to have a quick team meeting with my, my, my people and revisit this discipleship thing. Are you getting an invitation? Because you cannot make someone into something you're not. Like a lot of, Actually, not I take that back. The Holy Spirit will use whatever. So you could have no relationship with Christ at all. You could talk about Jesus all the time. And the person you're trying to disciple becomes a real disciple of Christ. And, yeah, you have no relationship with Jesus. You know why? Because that's how the Spirit works. And the Spirit does. And it works with or without you and through you whether you like it or not. You are a part of this whether you like it or not. Whether you're idle or you stay at home or you're out there talking about Jesus. God uses rocks. To shout out his glory I promise you he'll use you The thing here is Do you want to be at the end of the race For him to be like Come in I love you Or be like Well get away from me Because I I never knew you You know and that's the thing Heart check You know Are you truly a disciple of Christ Or do you just know All the things you need to do and say Because you can fake this Really well for everyone in here And everyone in your life But you can never fake this to Jesus You can never fake it to God Because he knows your heart Right, so to close it up, right, that, that's that's a great commission. I, I just went through that real quick. You know, it's great, it's key, key points, right? Um, all authority has been given to Jesus, so he literally has a stamp for what you're doing. He's saying that this has been approved by the man upstairs, and more so, it's been approved by me. What I need you to do is go make disciples of all nations. Step two go to all nations. This is an invitation. To be a part of something huge a part of something amazing a part of something bigger than you and something bigger than you is laying outside the door wherever your feet lay wherever you're sitting down you're resting that's awesome but as soon as you get up and you go somewhere else you're now on mission and you're not now represent yourself but you represent christ only if you are in christ and that, that that's that's the goal part there's no complications to that you don't need to buy a ticket, you don't need to have a passport, you don't need a stamp for every country you go to. Shoot, I mean, if you want a stamp, you, know, you get a stamp for every person you talk to that's your neighbor that you don't know their last name. You know, or you don't know exactly what's going on. Or you say, hey, I'm going to pray for you, but you have no clue what to pray for because you have no idea what's going on in this person's life. You know, like, I'm going to pray for so-and-so because they're sick. But you, know, you might not know, oh, so-and-so might have A, B, C, D, C, D, all these things going on, but they don't bring it up. But they don't tell you about it because they know you don't really care. You ask someone how you're doing, they tell you good, and you're thinking, what do you mean you say you're doing good, but you're on the, pra- you're on the sick prayer list? How are you doing good? It's like, oh, maybe it's not because they don't want to share that thing with you because of private. It's because you don't care. You've never shown them you care. I'm not going to entrust you to disciple me if you don't care about me. I'm not just a number for it, And I'm saying this person, that if you don't care about me, why should I listen to you? Why should I care about the God you say you care about if you don't care about me? I don't see that God, I see you. You don't care about me. But you tell me that God does, but he said, if that God is living in you, but you don't care about me, so how does he care about me if you're his representation? It doesn't work that way. Right? Go. Make make disciples of all nations. The last part is like, make disciples. disciples, Baptizing and teaching. You guys are a great church. You guys have baptisms here. That's awesome. Keep it up. Teach. It's not the honey's job to make a disciple of the friend you made. Inviting people to church is not making a disciple. Bring people to church, that's awesome. But make hey, come to church with me. That's great. But Donnie doesn't have a... Donnie can build a relationship with that person. I know he will. But that person came here because they trusted you, not trusted Donnie. You build those relationships. You make disciples. This commission is not for pastors. It's not for, it is made for anyone who is a Christ follower. That's right. Period. It's not the person's job up here to make disciples of everyone out there. This commission is for everyone that is a Christ believer. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is your assignment. And here, this is for free. Because of Jesus and grace and mercy, this assignment, you'll get a passing grade. Because he knows it is not through you that it's going to happen. It's through him. Your justification, your righteousness is not based on how many disciples you make. You can make one disciple your whole life, but you create an amazing friend through that discipleship, and you spend time with them, and you do that, and you've completed this. Why? Because you can make one, or you can be like Billy Graham and make it thousands and millions or whatever he did, right? But guess what? Billy Graham and you, when you come across to Jesus, your righteousness level is at the exact same spot because it's not your works that give you righteousness. It's Jesus' work. Period. You cannot add or subtract to that. You know what that should do for you? That should give you freedom to just be yourself and go love on people and just draw people into Christ. Knowing that you do not get an extra golden star or you're not getting demerits or stuff taken away from you because you failed. That's not how this works. Right? So with that saying, this is not math. The discipleship is not math. You guys read a book called Multiply. I love that book, but there's a misconception that people start thinking, like, oh, this is directly math. I do this, do this, and this, it equals this. No, discipleship and being a Christ follower is not math. There's no equation to this. The equation is this. You plus Jesus equals everything. Period. And then to even take it further, Jesus equals everything because he's everything with and without you. Mm-hmm. He's just drawing you into what he's already doing. What this is, is music. It's Jesus bringing you into something beautiful that's at work in the world. That you cannot explain with numbers and equations. You just see it at work and you're like, wow. I don't know what I ever said to that person to make them come to know Christ. You, nothing, that's what you did. I don't know what I ever said to this person to come to church and just now they're a member of our church like, and this is one of my new best friends. Nothing, that's the Holy Spirit at work. It's like the wind. You don't, people don't measure wind with numbers and stuff. They can do all this stuff. They don't measure with numbers. No, it's music. (laughs) You see the effects of it. You feel it in your heart. And that's not a feeling you can have apart from Christ, right? So that's, um, with that being said, I'd like to pray and close this out in prayer. Um, Then I'm going to invite Brother Donnie up. He's going to do an invitation and he'll tell you what's next. Right. Dad, thank you so much for, for inviting us into the works you have into this, in this world. Um, thank you for creating in us a heart that's willing to change and transform. You're amazing, God. You are so good. This, this world of yours works in and out of itself, but you've invited us to something so much more. You invited us into what you're doing, and you've said, hey, just come and watch. But more than that, I say, come and be a part. You didn't have to, but you did. I pray that um, the hearts in here will be challenged. I pray that we'll all be challenged to go out and make disciples, but more so, go out and just be just Christ-like in the way we approach our lives. I pray that we'll be empowered to step out of our house and know that the freedom of the Holy Spirit that is given us is that um, our works do not give us our righteousness. No matter how good we do, how bad or how bad we stink it up, Lord, that your righteousness it goes beyond that and that it's your work at work in people's hearts and we're just there to harvest what you are doing. God, you are good and you're amazing. And you are loving. You are a father and you are present and you are present with us wherever we go. Thank you for that. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your son. And thank you for loving us and choosing us. Amen.